Okay, everyone, welcome back. That was loud. I'm sorry. Hey! Good morning! Here we go! Okay, that was. Welcome back. I guess we are recording in the somewhat morning, which is odd for us. It is. Normally, we are recording in the late afternoon, evening. So there's a new. We're drinking coffee instead of just water or other water, like water. Other water. (laughs) Sparkling water. Sparkling water. Pink grapefruit. (laughs) Too soon. The sparkling water that was sitting out in your car in 70 degree weather when it was raining. raining. You know, it's just, yeah, I still have no defense for that. (laughs) That's such a great callback to season one. Oh my gosh. You know, people keep offering me pink grapefruit sparkling water. Are you serious? Yeah. Nobody offers me any. Well... I'm scarred. So that's probably why. Ah. Okay. So I usually like take the other option that they offer me. Well, it's it's Lent. So. It's a penitential season. So yeah, maybe consider it your almsgiving. To drink pink grapefruit? Or, or fast? To, well, would that that's be fasting? Not or it would lead you to prayer. <laughs> what, what pillar would that be? Pink grapefruit for you. Sacrifice? It would just, <laughs> <laughs> all of the above. See? It would be. Wait, it no, would D. just be. I mean. <laughs> It would be a penance of some sort because I don't necessarily care for it. So to drink it would mean that I have to suffer. So the next time she goes to confession to you, her penance should be to drink pink grapefruit. So help me if you give me that as my penance. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually thinking like it's about time to go to confession again. So somebody once joked that if I went to confession to them, they'd give me Genesis through Revelation (sighs) as a penance. Oh, it's like, all right, well. I'll see you in a year. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it with Father Mike Schmidt. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Wow. That would be a good penance. I missed out. Oh, well. Wow. Uh, <laughs> anyways, we're recording on the Solemnity of St. Joseph. It's we are. a pretty deal. big day. And uh, we actually, before we started recording, Father offered Mass for us. And so we prayed for all of the listeners and the team mm-hmm. on this uh, great solemnity. So... Last year, though, the solemnity was on a Friday That's during right. Lent, That's and right. I just remember eating meat for all three meals. But next Friday, the Annunciation. we also get to eat meat. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you didn't know that until I said it to you like a month ago. It was over ago. a month ago. Okay, maybe two months ago. <clears throat> I have a meat meal planned. Good. I will eat meat for all three meals. It is truly right and just. <laughs> so <laughs> I was talking with one of my friends in Finley. And I normally say Gucci when something is good. Mm. And just the way the conversation led it to me saying, it is truly right and just. And she said, can you please replace Gucci with it's truly right and just. She's been (laughs) saying, I was like, "Uh, why? She said, we've been saying Gucci for like a decade. So it's time for you to switch. Well, maybe to help in this time of transition, you could replace Gucci for either right or just. So you could say it is truly Truly right right. and Gucci or it is truly (laughs) Gucci and just. Maybe that'll help until you can fully sure. kind of acclimate yourself. I feel like yourself. that's sacrilege. Yeah, probably. Might be. <laughs> just a little I, uh, bit. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and reel that one back <laughs> and say. Thank you, uh, fact checker slash my conscience well, kicking in. <laughs> you guys, every, like, now every time I do an examination of conscience, I'm going to hear Stephen's voice in my oh, head. No. <laughs> I mean, it does kind of have that James Earl Jones uh, effect to it, you know? Like, Steven, say something really epic, 
Like, say something like Mufasa would say. In the <laughs> yes. Thing. Wait, he's got to turn on his mic. Here we go. Simba, I am your father. Wow. Appreciate that. <sighs> okay. <laughs> That's me after walking up a flight of stairs. <laughs> That's a bit concerning. Actually. It is. Yeah, I need to do more cardio. My doctor said you should probably get that checked out, but it's all right. I mean, the weather's getting warmer, so there's no excuse. There you go. I've been going on some long walks mm. recently. It's been nice. That has been very nice. And I was playing yeah, basketball with a friend the other night when it was like 65 degrees. It was, was just lovely. so nice to be outside and, and playing basketball. So mm-hmm. it was great. That brought just so much joy to my heart. So. Yeah, you do have to watch out for the mud, though. That's the only like downside yeah. right now. Everything is just saturated, and yeah, yeah. We only got away with one minor injury, so for the first time playing basketball for the summer, that was pretty good. Oh, you want to hear? Okay, you're a fan of the cheesy jokes, so yes. If April f- showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? Pilgrims. That is such an old joke. But Emma's looking like oh. she's never heard it before. <laughs> no, well, I, no, I haven't heard it. But I was like, pilgrims. But the, the ship. Yeah. Okay. That's the one. The Mayflower. You, you missed the, yeah. the little hand motion that she was doing there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we need to get started. We, we do. All right. So we are diving into the triduum for these last three weeks of Lent. Just several people that we've been hearing from or that have talked to us, just want to know more about the Triduum. What is the Triduum, the sacred Paschal Triduum, and why is it important? And it's the, they're the three holiest days of the entire year. And so they're kind of a big deal. So over the next three weeks, we're going to take one day each week and dive into it and just talk about some of our personal experiences. What do we love about each of these days? And how can you journey with Jesus through these three days? Because that's really what it's about. It's about diving deeper with Jesus and journeying with him, walking with him through his passion, death, and then the resurrection. With this, Father Kevin... Why yeah, don't I think, you start us off? I think it's good to have that preparation before we enter in because those days can get pretty jam-packed. Like Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. It can just be, you know, so much all at once. So I think this is good that we're taking the time to pause, kind of prepare our hearts and minds mm-hmm. to enter into each of those days. So we're going to start off today by reflecting on some of the themes that come with Holy Thursday. And so to begin, we're going to pray the collect, the opening prayer for that Mass, for the Holy Thursday Mass. So we'll pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O God, who have called us to participate in this most sacred supper, in which your only begotten Son, when about to hand himself over to death, entrusted to the Church a sacrifice new for all eternity, the banquet of his love. Grant, we pray, that we may draw from so great a mystery the fullness of charity and of life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I think I shared on a previous podcast that I just had the chance to spend a couple of weeks out in the Holy Land. And one of the things that struck me when we were in Jerusalem is just how many things happened on Holy Thursday evening. I think in my mind, I don't know what your experience is, but if someone mentions the word Holy Thursday, my mind automatically goes to the Last Supper. Like Mm -hmm. that's even in our collect, that was an event from Holy Thursday that was highlighted. And 
obviously that is, you know, of, of central importance for our faith. But there's actually other things that happen on Holy Thursday that I don't think we necessarily spend a whole lot of time reflecting on, or it might not come to mind. So we have the Last Supper that takes place. Then Jesus and his apostles go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he has his prayer of agony. He's arrested. He's taken to trial. Peter denies him three times. And then Jesus spends the night in prison as he awaits the rest of his trial for Good Friday morning. So there's actually a lot that's jammed into that Holy Thursday night. And so what about for you ladies, what's maybe one part of Holy Thursday out of all of those events that really sticks out to you? Maybe it's been a source of uh, fruitful prayer for you. So I've been typing up a lecture just for here at the parish. I'm doing a Triduum lecture series and such. And so as I've been typing up the lecture for Holy Thursday, I've been reflecting a lot about this idea of communion and what does it mean to be in communion with God, but also with one another. And I was reminded of Genesis. You go clear back to Genesis in the garden with Adam and Eve. And the very first meal that we read about in scripture is they eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil, right? The, the one thing that they were not supposed to eat. And so when they were created, they were in perfect communion with God. And then they eat the fruit. And now there's not this perfect communion anymore. They break that communion. Because sin enters into the world. And every time we sin, we're harming and damaging that communion we have with our Lord. And so then to look at the Last Supper, because I, I just, I love the Eucharist, right? I have just a deep devotion to, to our Lord in the Eucharist. And when you think of the, the Last Supper and Holy Thursday and the institution of the Eucharist, it's a meal. And so it's, it's a meal, but it's the meal, the meal, that starts to reverse the broken communion that Adam and Eve started for all of humanity. So we start with this idea of communion. Before Jesus is you know, even sacrificed, we start with this process of being drawn back into communion with our Lord, with the Eucharist. And so when I think of Holy Powerful. Thursday, like that's what I think of is we are now beginning to reestablish the communion. Now it's not consummated until the cross on Good Friday, but the institution of the Eucharist is reversing the effects of the first meal of Adam and Eve. So it's becoming a new first meal, essentially, mm. in the Eucharist. And you think every time we gather and receive Holy Communion in the Eucharist, we are together as communion, as a, a body of believers, as the body of Christ. So for me, that's I've been just reflecting on that a lot recently, is just what does that look like in communion? Because that's, you know, Holy Thursday is where the redemption is starting to mm-hmm. really unfold before our eyes. So it's yeah. been something I've been praying with, so... It's a beautiful image, yeah. Last Supper, theme of communion. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. How about for you, Mary Kate? What part of Holy Thursday do you tend to focus on? What's been fruitful for your prayer? Honestly, ever since I was probably a teenager, the main part that I focus on is the Garden of Gethsemane, especially when you're at Mass and the liturgy for Holy Thursday has been ended and they strip the altar and they move the Eucharist to the uh, altar of repose. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the altar of repose is just like absolutely gorgeously decorated. And then you have the contrast of the altar and the sanctuary being just barren. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And usually I will go to the altar of repose and spend some time in prayer before Christ in the Eucharist there and just focus on he's in the garden. Mm. And how 
in the agony of that, how he was sweating blood. And he was thinking about not only the coming trials of the next, you know, 24 hours, less than 24 hours, but also just that I was worth it. Mm. And that's why he says, not my will, but yours be done. When you say I, you mean like I, Mary, Kate? I, Mary, Kate. Like Jesus is saying Mary, yeah, Kate, is Mary Kate is worth it? Yeah, Mary Kate is worth it. Gotcha, okay. You know, Father Kevin is worth it. Emma is worth it. Mm. They are worth the coming trials. That's beautiful. And so that's something that I usually will really reflect on when I'm in front of the altar of repose mm. before I leave the uh, the church for the, the evening. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and even when I get home, that's just really on my heart. It's mm-hmm. it's You're entering into this somber time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's kind of what, what I usually will reflect on. To go off of that, just when you're sitting with the altar of repose, you recognize that there is a, a sense of loneliness there. Mm-hmm. You know, at least for me, when I go, you recognize something really is happening. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. There's that tension. And it's it's amazing how how that happens, how mm-hmm. our faith speaks to the senses too, mm-hmm. right? And it really draws us in like something important is happening right now. It, it, and how are we engaging with that, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I do enjoy. I've seen altar of reposes that are really beautifully decorated, but also then some that are very just simple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how, whether they're really beautiful or really simple, each of those draws you deeper in a different way, you know? It mm-hmm. just, when you allow yourself to just be in that moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was last year. Yeah, because we didn't. I, mean, I was going to say had, two years ago. We, t- we didn't have it two years ago. <laughs> Last year, the cathedral decorated the altar of repose with palm branches. Mm. And I thought it was a really interesting call back to Palm Sunday. So, yeah, no, it's it's interesting to see how different parishes will uh, decorate their, their altars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so that's that's my take on it. Sure, and something that... I think this is a good segue into what I wanted to focus on for this episode because you're talking about in the liturgy when we move from this beautiful source of communion as we celebrate Jesus' Last Supper, then we move out into the Garden of Gethsemane and things are getting darker and, and then you have the altar of repose and just kind of like the darkness and the barrenness of it. I'm just kind of making the connection now, Emma, going back to your point that it's like, you know, Jesus is drawing us into communion with him and with one another. But in order to accomplish that, he went to the point of like utter separation, mm-hmm. right? As he enters further and further into the Paschal mystery, he, I mean, it culminates, we see on the cross, his feeling perhaps in his human nature of the abandonment of God, crying mm-hmm. out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then his abandonment and whatever the opposite word you would have for communion, maybe like the disruption from the rest of humanity is something that you see when he is in prison overnight. So that's Mm -hmm. what I want to focus on for the rest of this episode. So this is something that we don't read about explicitly in Scripture. It doesn't Mm -hmm. talk about Jesus being imprisoned overnight. But if you go to the Holy Land, there are a couple of sites that claim to be the spot where uh, Christ would have been held in prison between Holy Thursday going into Good Friday. And remember the first time that I went, I was really struck by the site. I I found it very powerful. Just for maybe a little bit of context, some explanation, I guess whenever I thought about Christ being imprisoned, I thought of like our modern day prisons or how you see it depicted in cartoons where you kind of 
swing open the door and it's got the bars that you, mm-hmm. you know, put your hands on or whatever. And that probably wouldn't have been the kind of prison that Jesus would have spent that night in. Instead, the tradition is that he was probably lowered down into a pit, into a cistern. Mm-hmm. And so there's different mosaics and other pieces of artwork that depict ropes going around like his shoulders and his armpits as he's lowered down into this well, into this cistern. And there's a couple different traditions as to whether Jesus was lowered all the way down and there was just enough water at the bottom to where he wouldn't be able to sit down or Mm -hmm. lie down the whole night going into Good Friday. That's one possibility. The other tradition is that he was lowered down into this cistern, but they kind of like found a way to suspend him halfway from the top of the well down to the bottom. But either way, you know, he just spends the night in just complete darkness. Mm -hmm. He's dwelling in this pit. And actually, if you go there and you visit, you can go down to the bottom of this cistern nowadays and you actually read Psalm 88. It's a tradition that you read that psalm. What's interesting about that psalm is out of all 150 psalms, it's the only psalm that ends on a note that is not hopeful. Like all the other psalms, even Psalm 22 that starts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That Jesus quotes on the cross. Later on, the psalm ends up saying, nevertheless, you know, I'll put my trust and my hope in the Lord. But Psalm 88 is the only one where it's kind of a depressing psalm and it does not end on a happy note. I think the uh, last words are, my one companion is darkness. Mm. But all, all throughout that psalm, there's also these different allusions to the theme of darkness. There's the line, I am reckoned with those who go down into the pit. So you, you really, you read that psalm while you're down there and you really resonate with uh, what it must have been like for Jesus to spend the night in that cold, dark pit. So I have a couple reflections I want to share about that. But first, I want to see how this is landing for you guys. Are you familiar with this image? Is this your first time hearing it? What kind of things stir up in you as you consider that image of our Lord in prison? I, it's not something that you normally think of when it comes to Holy Thursday, but I'm sitting here thinking because, you know, Holy Thursday is where the, the priesthood is instituted as well, right? right. You know, this, the Eucharist and the, and the priesthood. And I think there's an image here of, you know, Christ being lowered into the pit and kind of being in this agony and the weight of, like, this is what it means to lay down, like, to begin to lay down your life. And as priests, like, you're entering into that as well. Like, it's not necessarily going to be this joyful ride, but you may be entering into the pit as well, getting into the grime with Jesus in some of the most nastiest situations. And so at least for me, when you were talking, I'm thinking about how a priest dedicates his life, right? Lays down his life and willing to go to the pit with people. And and Jesus is illustrating, you know, with his own physical body, what does it mean to go to the pit? And my one companion is darkness, mm-hmm. right? And I think oftentimes there are many of us. I, I've read this psalm before and I just pulled it up on my phone to, to kind of glance back over it, you know. And yeah, the very last line, you know, thou has caused lover and friend to shun me. My companions are in darkness. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I got that fact check to prove. He gave us thumbs up. Perfect. <laughs> but um, 
I think there's just that image of, you know, Christ being lowered and what does it look like for us, especially for the priests, to lay down their life, you know. One companion is darkness. Mm-hmm. I think that's just, that can be common for a lot of people. Yeah, um, so Jesus, first and foremost, comes into solidarity with mm-hmm. our our darkness, our yes. solitude, and yes. then those of us, priests in a particular way, but all of us who have been baptized, mm-hmm. I think, into the priesthood of the faithful, are called not merely to imitate that, but really to ask the one who did that to, to kind of do it in and through us yes. to be able to be with people as they're they're in their sort of pit or their their darkness, just mm-hmm. to like be in, in solidarity with them the way that Jesus sought to on right. that night. Allowing ourselves to be lowered into the pit mm-hmm. with with others to be with Jesus. And sometimes it's just us ourselves being lowered into the pit to be with Jesus, you know. Mm. So mm-hmm. that was what stood out to me when you were sharing about that. Yeah. Right, Kate, you? anything uh, kind of resonating with you with that image? A couple things. So kind of bouncing off of what Emma was saying, you know, us being lowered into the pit. One of my favorite Easter hymns, a line in it says, we have been crucified with Christ. Now we shall live forever. It's mm. it's my favorite line of the entire song. But I think it, it calls to mind like Christ is with us. Mm. He went through all of this so that we would understand that he knows. Mm-hmm. He's with us mm. in our darkness. And so, yeah, you know, he, he knows. Mm-hmm. It, it brings to mind, you know, Lazarus. In the shortest verse in the entire Bible, he wept. Jesus wept. There's these different parts where Christ is showing us that he knows what it's like to be human. Mm -hmm. He knows what it's like to go through these different things in life. You know, thinking about right now we're potty training Mary Trez. And so an already kind of lonely life for a mom because you're at home most of the time Mm -hmm. has become even lonelier because you're at home even more because you have to be because this little child is trying to learn how to go potty on the on the toilet and so it's become even for me as an extrovert it's become even more of a center of prayer Mm. because I know that he's there with me in the okay Let's go. Let's sit on the potty. You know, that kind of a thing. And so it, it kind of brings that into perspective that like in the darkness of everyday life, he's with us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't even think of that until you guys were, were discussing, you know, mm-hmm. you know, he's with us in the darkness and we're with him. Yeah. Which kind of reminds me, too, of the things I shared in our I forget what episode it was, but when we were talking about Christmas mm. and just how that theme oh, was sticking yeah. out to me from Christmas of Jesus's solidarity, yep. right? And becoming man and dwelling in this poor, humble stable, you know, like that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a sign to us of his willingness to be in solidarity with us. And we see how he continues to lower himself all throughout his life. And then he's literally lowered by ropes into this pit, mm. just signifying even more his kind of descending all the way down to the point of being in solidarity with us to the point where we even say, you know, after he died that he descended into hell, right? Again, it's that descent. Mm -hmm. St. Paul talks about though he was in the form of God, he did not deem deem equality with God, something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, right? That self-emptying love. And we see a, a glimpse of that love that desires to be with us in our pits, in our darkness, in our aloneness, 
in being descended into this mm-hmm. pit. That that scripture you just were referencing is Philippians 2, mm-hmm. verses 5 through 11. That's a powerful verse, I think, to reflect on even in this triduum, you know, to reflect on this. So maybe just encouragement to read that if you've never read Philippians 2, 5 through Philippians chapter two, verses five through 11. But as I was thinking about that too, this image of like descending, mm-hmm. we're, let's go back a little bit. So we're still in the, the last supper where Jesus washes the disciples feet mm. Yeah, and he descends on his knees. I mean, granted he's bending down, but there's that image of descent to serve mm. this, this humbling, this descent to serve, you know, to wash the feet mm-hmm. of people. Yeah, his his apostles. So I was just thinking, you know, that that it's if we really truly want to take a servant's heart, we must descend, mm. you know, uh, to be small, to be little. Mm-hmm. And know? thinking about that too, it's also very humbling having your feet washed. So I've had my mm-hmm. feet washed once, and to see the priest kneel before you and wash your foot, it was humbling. Because this is, you know, a man that you look up to and he brings you the sacraments and he, I mean, he literally brings you Christ in the Eucharist Mm -hmm. and he kneels before you to wash your feet at, at the service of Christ's people. And so it's, it's an interesting concept that not only is it humbling for the priest and for Christ to kneel down at the feet of the apostles and wash their feet, but it's also humbling to have your feet washed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's an interesting concept where we're seeing these themes of humility and darkness mm-hmm. in Holy Thursday. Mm-hmm. And even going back to baptism, mm-hmm. right? Jesus descends into the waters. And there's the symbolism that as he goes into the waters, it's that it's the first symbolism of him descending to hell. Right, mm. that he's this, he's as he's descending, he's starting to bear the weight of sin mm-hmm. on him, but that he leaves it there, and he rises again in new life. It, it, so that's there's that first image of this whole descent, and you leave sin behind, and you rise again as a new creation. And so then we see that same thing again, now drawn out in the Triduum, mm-hmm. in more intense ways mm-hmm. of Jesus is descending, 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 mm-hmm. to then be able to ascend right 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 and so the the it's this whole picture of this the messianic secret and the messianic message of jesus comes to descend right to leave sin behind to leave it in the pits of hell but to, to constantly be rising to new life and mm-hmm. you see that all throughout his life and it's a reminder of us that yes we have those highs and lows in our lives but we are constantly called to when we fall down to pick up our cross to stand back up and to follow him to ascend back up to him mm-hmm. right i mean the carmelite saints would say to ascend carmel right yeah sure. to ascend the mountain to constantly be working at it so sure. that was just another image this image of baptism the descent and rising again mm-hmm. as well so yeah and maybe i could just share what in particular this passage tends to help me with you know in addition to all these themes mary kate alluded to the loneliness factor earlier and yeah, I think, I mean, we all go through loneliness in different ways and at different times and to different intensities and whatnot. And sometimes there's a loneliness that we can't help. Like we would mm-hmm. like to be around people, but just for whatever reason, that's not possible. So we kind of find ourselves in a bit of a state of loneliness. But when I was on a retreat shortly after going to the Holy Land, 
I was praying with this uh, image of Jesus being lowered into the pit, and there was a a prayer from a, a, a book of prayers that I had been given that I was praying with that night. And one of the prayers in it said, Jesus, deliver me from the prison of my self-made aloneness. Mm. And that was just like super convicting because I realized how a lot of times in my loneliness, it's because I have chosen to withdraw from others. I have chosen not to be in communion with them. And so the feelings that I have are not of like a healthy solitude. They can be at times just maybe, you know, trying to go overboard with my introvertness or or just, you know, people can be hurtful sometimes. So sometimes you can be tempted to kind of draw away from them for a while. But that self-made aloneness can ultimately end up becoming a prison. We were not Mm -hmm. made to be alone, right? God says to Adam, it is not good for the man to be alone. So this image helps me to convict me of is my solitude truly like a, a healthy aloneness at times or has it become this prison of a self-made aloneness and just to think that Jesus put himself into that place so that he could be in solidarity with me but then ultimately like you're saying he descends in order to ascend and to bring us with him in that ascent so that's Mm -hmm. been a very powerful image for me to to convict me and to lead me into deeper communion with our Lord and with others. Sure and this this image of you know descending and we talk about the humility of our lord as he prepares to ascend in the resurrection reminds me there's um, a beautiful book if you've never read it it is called the life of christ by venerable fulton j sheen we love fulton j sheen over here as i would argue just as much as benedict the 16th so (laughs) (laughs) but it's a thick book it's a big book but just a beautiful journey through the life of Christ in a very prayerful manner. Like you could tell like this is his prayer. Like this is Fulton Sheen's prayer going through the life of Christ. But there's this one section when he talks about the Last Supper and Holy Thursday, but talking about like the feet washing and the humility that goes with service, right? And being a servant. Sheen writes, Our Lord reminded Peter that true humility should not object to his humiliation, but on the contrary, should recognize its necessity for mankind's deliverance from sin. Mm-hmm. That's, it's a necessary way of life, a servant's heart. So mm-hmm. just wanted to share that a little bit from the yeah. wise words of Fulton Sheen. It's beautiful. <laughs> Sheen is full of those gems. Oh, so yes. this, this is awesome. I have just a brief sort of meditation to maybe close us off. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good way of summing up everything that has been shared so far in this episode. So listeners, I just offer this to you as a meditation to pray with as you head into Holy Thursday, particularly with this image of Christ being imprisoned in mind. This is actually from a book called uh, Heart of the World by uh, a theologian named Hans Urs von Balthasar, who has the greatest name of all time. Mary-Kate, I think you got to name your fourth kid either like Hans or Balthasar. Balthasar Just go big. Balthasar. Yeah. Maybe call him... Czar for short, you know. Hey, Czar. No, maybe not. Not a fan. I mean, I think I support this. Yeah. You also want my child to be named Athanasius. I want everybody's kid to be named (laughs) Athanasius, so... Well, now you have two choices, Athanasius, Athanasius or Balthazar. No, Balthazar, Athanasius. There we go. Whoa. Yes, pain. Balthazar, (laughs) Athanasius, pain. Not with that last name. (laughs) Czar. I should never be allowed to name children. Okay. No. Fair enough. Fair, Fair enough. enough. Okay. So Father, this is. <laughs> Backchecker was going to say something. 
fact checker, what were you going to say? We would love to hear. What? <laughs> it has been verified. Okay, I'm trying to get in a prayerful spirit so Father can leave it okay. as in a meditation. Yes. You all are ruining it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Come Holy Spirit. Yes. So this is from uh, the book Heart of the World, and it's a beautiful book full of uh, just some really lovely meditations. And I actually was reading this the first time I was in the Holy Land after having just gone into that pit. And this meditation is from the perspective of Jesus. And so um, just imagine Jesus on that Holy Thursday evening as he's uh, descending into greater and greater darkness for the sake of being in solidarity with us and to rise to new life with us. This is in, in Jesus's words from the meditation. My son, my daughter, between midnight and morning frost, when they dragged me to the second trial, I sojourned in your prison. I sat fettered to a tent peg, lonely, beaten, disgraced, and I thought of you and of the rising day. I have tasted your prison. Nothing of its bittersweet smell of decay was spared me. But now you are free. The angel nudged you on the side, the clamps fell from your wrists, the gate flew open on its own, and the two of you floated out past the sleeping guards until you reached freedom. You still think it was a dream. Rub the sleep out of your eyes. You are free to go wherever you please. But look, many of your brothers and sisters are still languishing in prison. Are you going to enjoy your freedom while they suffer? Or do you want to help me loosen their shackles and together with me to share their prison? Mm. Amen. Um, That's powerful. That's, yeah. yeah. Good old czar for you. Maybe we can uh, share that in our show notes. Yeah. You know, type it up so that people can reread that. That's... Give me chills. I know. That's beautiful. That's powerful. Wow. Source of a lot of graces for me. So... Wonderful. Beautiful. Thanks for the conversation, ladies. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we end with our one joys? Let's do it. Let's do it. Mary-Kate, we got... All right, so my one joy is that this past March 17th was Jason's 28th birthday. So we were able to celebrate his life and the gift of his life. And I thanked my in-laws for allowing him to live this life by choosing life for him. And it was just a, it was a really grace-filled day. And I'm just very thankful for his life. So his What else was that day, Mary-Kate? St. Patrick's Day. Which is, is also my son's Feast day. Ayo, that's a double. Yeah, so awesome. It was. It was his. It was his first feast day. <laughs> yeah, that's modulus and Patrick. But um, yeah, no. Uh, it was. It was a good day. Uh, he wore. They, all the kids wore special shirts, and yeah, that's awesome. So very cool. March seventeenth. That's going to be a special day for you guys for a long time. Miss Emma. I'm not going to say what I want to say. <laughs> Prudence, pass it on. <laughs> Anyways, um, for me. Oh, I just was playing basketball last week with with a friend. Just it was beautiful out and just be outside. You know, I love winter. I love the snow. You know, winter's my favorite season, but there's something about being able This is me, okay? You don't okay. have to agree with it. Okay. All right. So, but just to be outside, you know, you could t- you could smell like the spring in the air and it was just really great and just to play basketball was great. And so it was it was fun. I mean, and, and their kids were running around and 
then finally when they went inside, we were like, yeah, let's do some like one-on-one, you know. And that's when a slight injury happened, but we're all fine. It was great. It was fun. It was joyful. That's when, in your words, you were punched in the eye. No, okay. (laughs) That was a bit of an exaggeration. It really was just like kind of a hand because she didn't realize gust of wind (laughs) yeah well she didn't realize that I had speed and or that I was going to play competitively because I mean I told her speed yes I'm quick on the basketball court thank you very much I actually warned her that I am not a joyful friend when I'm competing against people on the basketball court so Mm. I warned her good to know uh but anyways it was great it was fun and looking back it really was just such a joyful joyful uh, evening playing basketball so that's awesome it's mine sweet cool padre mine is parish fish fries so <laughs> it's lenten season it's friday night where are you gonna go you're gonna go to your parish and have a fish fry unless your parish doesn't have them which is kind of common this year uh right, fish were hard to come by yeah. but uh somehow we managed to wrangle some fish in over at uh the nouvelle elementary middle school and i just love it because when i was in seminary and I was just pining to be with normal people and outside of an institutionalized setting. I would just dream about being at a parish fish fry on a Friday of Lent with normal people, you know, just talking about normal things. And sure enough, I was at the first fish fry having some conversation with some people eating some good fish and fries. And we were going to head over afterwards for stations in the church. And I literally got like choked up. Like there were tears in my eyes because I was like, my dream from seminary is coming true. I, that's when I knew <laughs> God was calling me fries. to be a parish priest. That's wow. That was a good uh, affirmation. My yeah. dream was so. marriage. Father's was fish fries. <laughs> I mean, and mine was the liturgy. No, yeah, the liturgy. <laughs> <laughs> the liturgy or the sacraments or scripture. Yeah, that's that would be mine. Anyways, okay. Anyways, well, thanks everybody for tuning in. We hope you yes. enjoyed this uh, meditation to help prepare you for Holy Thursday. Be sure to join us next week as we dive into the riches that await us on Good Friday. All right. God bless you guys. Another word praying for you. Bye.